to the Med Street Journal. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Med Street Journal podcast. My name is Rodney Hu and today I'm joined by another special guest, Mr. Mark Lewis. He is the CEO and founder of Solos Health Analytics and I'm excited to have him on and just pick his brain allow him to share his journey and what they're working on in the industry. So with that being said, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rodney. It's great to be here. Um, it's a real exciting time and I'm glad we could have this discussion. Yeah, no problem. So yeah, why don't we just jump into it, give people a quick background of uh, who you are and kind of what you're working on. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess the simple form of me is I grew up in technology. I started early days with various computer firms like Digital and Compaq and Hewlett Packard, ultimately wound up as the CTO of a company called EMC. Um, and did a lot of things in technology through my, my career. And Never did anything in the healthcare-related space, but always in software and um, software as a service, cloud technologies is kind of the most recent areas that I've focused on, uh, ran some um, software firms. And I was sitting here at the beginning of the year, we had the COVID situation starting, and um, I went out to buy a thermometer. And I was just amazed at how little technology was involved in taking your temperature and trying to determine whether or not you had a fever. And so we started looking at it and we said, um, that's kind of what incubated this company, Solos, was that we thought we could really take technology that exists today in other areas of environments, you know, what you get with marketing and all these other areas of this great AI and machine learning and bring this technology in more and more to biometric uh, readings with healthcare. And so Solos was really born with a mission that we felt that early detection uh, can save lives. And we believe that we can bring this technology, as I said, into biometric readings, like temperature, um, to do some great things. So, okay, that sounds interesting. And so with your background, I know, like, as you're creating all this, and we're in lockdown, you can't do it all by yourself. And what's interesting is like last time we talked, you told me about how you're able to put together a team to bring this vision to life and how you did it all over Zoom. <laughs> so can you kind of explain that process? It's been an amazing journey. Yeah, yeah, Rodney, it's been an amazing journey with um, just the rapid amount of time. We said we wanted to do something very quickly and startups are designed to move fast, but uh, even by startup standards, you know, we're talking about taking a product from concept to general availability production in nine to 10 months. Um, and in something in the health and wellness space, it's unheard of. Yeah. And then to add um, issues, we couldn't go around and, and, you know, get an office building and put everybody in a, in a uh, room and do all of that. We had to do everything well effectively in quarantine. So as I said, we've built an over 20-person team now. We have between 20 and 25 folks on the team, many of whom I've never met, um, you know, physically yet in my life, um, and had to pull all of that together, including our financing, basically over you know, a series of Zoom meetings. 
And it's been an amazing um, challenge, but it's also proven to be amazingly efficient and effective. So I don't, I don't, you know, I think about the amount of time we didn't have to spend trying to find a building, the amount of time we don't worry, obviously, about where people are located. I even joke that since I don't spend four hours a day in a car commuting into Silicon Valley and out of Silicon Valley, that's another, obviously, time that you can spend um, getting stuff done. So I think we've been amazingly productive, but it's been a, a completely different experience um, to getting this product out. Interesting. And so not only are you able to like put together your team over Zoom, like you still have people that you need to present to and like get this product to. So like who are those people that FeverGuard like most benefits and how are you actually facilitating those conversations and like getting that out there? Yeah. So FeverGuard, uh, tell everyone a little bit about our product. So um, while Solos is the parent company, you know, what we decided to take on first was, you know, revolutionizing fever detection, if you will. Um, and the problems that exist with that were, you know, today, um, you might take your temperature once or twice a day. It's at most, if at all, it's very episodic. There's a lot of air in temperature measurements. Most of those things like cameras don't work very well um, because of all these different factors. Um, that, that play into it. And everybody's individual temperature is different. We vary by two to three degrees between men and women, older, younger, just us as individuals. And even during the day, our temperature varies another two to three degrees. So the, the bottom line was when you added this all together, it was lucky if we could ever detect a fever with current means and, and methods. And the, really the only thing that happens is they set the thresholds at such extreme conditions that by the time somebody gets to 100.4, everybody for sure has a fever. So we set out to do a better job. We make a continuous uh, wearable that you uh, wear on your upper arm that monitors your temperature continuously. And we focus on anomaly detection. So we learn your individual normal and we learn your normal for the time of day. And then we do detect anomalies from there. Now, our focus, Rodney, has been to sell to um, the essential workforce and companies that provide essential workforce. This means fire departments, police departments, um, warehouse workers, manufacturing, everywhere where there's essential workers that need to come together, especially in group environments or with clients, um, to get the job done. Um, and the company wants to ensure the best health safety they can. So that's our or sell to. Um, so we've done a certain amount of marketing overall, website and whatnot to build the interest. Um, but a lot of this has been um, through our investors and board and relationships with individuals um, focused on selling into the chief human resource officer, the VP of health safety uh, in large organizations and um, focusing and working with them on, you know, understanding that we can provide a significant health safety improvement for those organizations. Oh, okay, that's interesting. And I like how you guys are like addressing like fever detection and like body temperature measurement. And like, when you guys are doing your research, you didn't see anything like on the market that at least satisfied your guys' needs. 
And so you guys just took it about your own, your own way and it's like, all right, we'll create something ourselves. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I, I was really amazed and, and most of our early investors um, came to us and when I pitched what we were going to do, which is, you know, we're going to learn body temperature and we're going to do anomaly detection. They said, well, that's a simple solution. There's got to be a bunch of people already doing that, right? That's got to be out there. That's just so yeah. obvious and necessary. Um, why you're telling me this hasn't been done? And we were shocked as well. Um, when I learned all about myself, as I said, I've not been in healthcare. I'm a technologist, but not not in the healthcare side. So I had to read up on all of this and bring in MD and PhD advisors. And we all kind of saw the same thing was that this is an incredibly um, missing, you know, opportunity in this environment. Their, their temperature monitors, you know, they're your Bluetooth thermometers of today, right? They, they take your temperature, they recorded it once or twice a day when you put the thermometer in your mouth and, and yeah, they're Bluetooth, but all that means is they transmit, you know, that 98 degree reading to a, a, phone, but they don't try to learn you or anything from it. So really nothing on the market that's, that's doing this um, that we saw today. And that's, that's what made it really interesting. But it, I will say we were just, it, it sometimes ideas are like that. You're just like, I can't believe. And that's what a lot of our investors tell us. I can't believe that somebody hasn't already done this. I know. <laughs> that's cool, though. So, like, I appreciate that sort of, like, level of thinking and that innovation. So, that's kind of cool. And so, like, Fever Guard, it's anomaly detection, right? And based off of how far off you are from, like, your baseline, your benchmark. And so, how do you go about, like, determining that and, like, what makes an anomaly? Yeah, so you think about, I, I won't go through them, but most people know the optional places to measure your temperature, you know, in your mouth, in your ear, a couple of other places that you guys all know about. Um, most of those places, you don't want a continuous monitor to reside. Um, in fact, pretty much any of those places. So what we built was an upper arm band um, that goes around your upper arm that that measures um a reasonable number relative to your axillary or underarm temperature. And in underarm temperature tends to be about a degree below your oral temp. And where we measure is a little bit down on the arm and that tends to be about another degree or so lower than that. But we're still, your average readings will still be in the low to mid nineties. And what that means is your, your point on which we measure is more influenced by your body temperature than it is by ambient air temperature. So 70 degree air temperature, you're still in the mid nineties. So we don't need to know the absolute temperature or try to get this absolute core body temperature because we're gonna learn that. We know that it, it's a couple degrees low, but we're just gonna learn the relative values and the anomaly detection comes in because that's what we do when we look for a fever. We look for the first indication of a fever, which is the moment you start to deviate from your normal or go up from your normal is how we, how we do that. Oh. And why that, why that matters? You can wear, you know, a nice comfortable armband and you don't need any weird patch or sticker or something else 
you know, that's not comfortable to wear. Um, and you can still measure your, your um, or still monitor for signs of a fever um, with a very comfortable wearable. Dang, so you have the wearable and like the technology on the back end, like the whole data management side. So like it's essentially hardware and software. How was that? Yeah, we had to, Roddy, we had to build the full solution to start. It doesn't, um, one of the things I've learned as a startup is um, if you try to deliver part of a solution as a startup, that um, you just can't provide the ease of use and, and turnkey nature. So we work with partners, but built our own wearable. We built our own app for the iPhone and we built our own platform in the cloud. It's seamless. It's easy to install for the user. And so that was really important to us. Over time, as we look at other biometrics, we're staying focused mostly on our machine learning and AI and, and anomaly detection work is where we're going to focus. So, you know, if we want to take in Apple Watch biometrics or other biometrics from other wearables at other times, um, we'll gladly do that. It's not saying that, you know, every, every bit of data has to come from our wearable um, either. We're way more interested in the potential of using individualized anomaly detection to really change the course of healthcare. Hmm. Okay, interesting. I like your approach, man. <laughs> Super <laughs> smart. Um, but yeah, I mean, where do you kind of like see a vision for the industry, like with what you're doing, like what's the potential, like ideal situation of what you can scale this to? You know, that's a great question, Rodney. And, and at least as I picture kind of outside looking in healthcare, we saw that there was some, some real gaps. Um, one is the principal one that we're trying to de- um, focus on is real-time health safety in the shortest form. And what that that means is saying that what can we learn and how can we help people be healthier through the use of some of these real-time sensors that we have? And if you think about it today, we have kind of both ends of the spectrum. If you're sitting in the hospital, you have a lot of real-time monitoring. And maybe at the other end of the spectrum, you can say, well, if you have a fitness band and you want to monitor steps and fitness, you've got a lot of kind of end user monitoring. But this whole area in the middle of, of me, say, wanting to monitor my temperature or my blood pressure or my resting heart rate on, on a more day-to-day basis, and then instead of you know waiting for me to go to a doctor once or twice a year and, and have them say, your blood pressure is fine, it's fine, it's fine, until it isn't. And then they cross some threshold and they go, oh, your blood pressure is high. Now you need to take a medicine. We want to be able to give folks insights to changing metrics from their baseline. So you start out, we learn your, say, blood pressure. Well, the whole idea would be over time that we could see if that was starting to ratchet up, if it was starting to change allowing you, you know, the predictive analytics that said, look, if you don't stop whatever's happening or address your um, potential behaviors, lifestyle, what you eat, you're going to, you're going to be on high blood pressure medication. You're going to have this problem. 
And so we see this in so many ways. Um, the fever detection use case we talk about now, we, we do literally something uh, in the hundreds of millions of surgeries outpatients every year. And between five and 12% of those people get post-operative infections. The problem is if they detect those infections quickly, it means a prescription for some antibiotics. If they don't detect them quickly and you go a couple of days with a fever before you notice it or before you bother to take your temperature, you're most likely going back into the hospital. And that's gonna cost thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. So just, just real time being able to know that you have a fever more quickly or an infection more quickly um, can fundamentally change the cost of healthcare. So we think there's just tons of applications like this but it's really the marrying up of kind of consumer level wearables that have become really accurate in real-time biometrics with analytics and insight and predictive analytics that can provide um, this really cool right, level of, of insight um, mm -hmm. for both yourself and for your healthcare provider. Ah. Man, that's powerful, especially with like AI and like machine learning, because if you're tracking real time, you're just getting a lot more data for like to learn from. And so you're able to make more like smarter decisions based off of like the data. Yeah. And and we drown in data, right? Big data is cool, except when you have to analyze it. So, yeah. so your doctor you know, the, the problem with a lot of telemedicine, a lot of these other things is what, what the doctors and others are getting is just more and more data. And that's not helpful to them, right? That, that means they have to review it, try to parse it, try to figure it out. And most of it is, is useless or most of it is, is irrelevant or most of it is normal. So what we want to do with AI and machine learning is to, to provide those initial filters not to try to diagnose disease or to say what ailment you have, but on biometric readings to be able to say things like your temperature is anomalously above its normal. And that can mean any number of things. It could likely mean you have a fever, but that could be a bacterial or viral infection. It could be any number of things. But for the, for the medical provider, the important side is we're giving you continuous real-time monitoring capability and then we're able to alert you when you should take notice and do a deeper dive on an individual or their data. And that's critical because the problem with big data is that you need machines and AI yeah. to consume it and spit out some level of analysis or you will overwhelm the organization. Oh, man. I see it. It's crystal clear to me. <laughs> it makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, no, but we've been talking about a lot of uh, interesting topics, complex ideas. Um, so I, we're coming up towards the end of the podcast, and I like to end each episode on a little more lighter exercise. I call it rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask you a set of questions, and you can just give me whatever answer you come up with, okay? Okay, I'll try to be short. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what is your favorite book of all time? You know, I, I've thought about that a lot. Um, I would say there's there's a book by Doris Kearns Goodwin called A Team of Rivals. Team. And it's a it's basically a biography on Abraham Lincoln. Um, but what impressed me about the book 
was how an individual at that time recognized that you need to surround yourself with people that are different than you. And that that is really what creates a, a great world-class team. And I've taken that with me, you know, kind of everywhere I go that don't surround yourself with people just like you. Mm, awesome. I'm about to look into it. Who is the most influential person in your life or career? You know, maybe an obvious one, but for me, it's Bill Gates. Um, and it's a pretty simple choice. Um, you, the, the simple side of this, Rodney, is, you know, technologists like me um, built a, a great company and a great enterprise, was very innovative. But some of the things that really impressed me, and, and there's a lot of got folks like that. And, and so you could, you could pick 100 people like that. But the two things that really separated to me Bill Gates out, one was when the internet first started and there was Netscape and all the first World Wide Web, Microsoft could have gone under easily. And they faced this, the world changed around them and they, they weren't changing. And Bill Gates got everybody together and said, okay, we're a web company and everybody's got a new job. And kept Microsoft alive and rebuilt it and it is what it is today. Um, you know, most companies, I say that you can get to your first billion dollars, you know, is kind of a, a little bit of luck. But when you can do that twice, when you can build a company and you can save it from ruin, it's pretty special. And the only thing I love about Bill is, you know, he turned towards philanthropy and took and said, you know, at these various times, I'm going to be a, doing this and then I'm going to move and do stuff for others. And I thought that was really admirable. Awesome. Um, what is one goal you want to accomplish this year? Um, well, this one's kind of simple. We want a product, you know, the FeverGuard product done, ready to help the essential workforce. So that's, you know, that's our one and only goal this year is get through beta and get into production um, with this product to help with COVID. Awesome. And then last one, what is one piece of advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? You know, I think about this a lot, and, it, and it's, it's fairly simple. Um, every major moment in my life where something great has happened is because I elected to make a significant change in my life. Now, a few times it's gone horribly wrong. <laughs> but, but you won't get success without taking a risk and making change. And, and that may mean changing jobs, taking a different position, starting a company, um, making a move. But if you do nothing, you will stay where you are. That's for sure, right? <laughs> you will not make the kind of progress that it takes to, to have you know, a wild success. You have to do that. And I just think that's it's good advice for all that if I looked at every time I made, you know, had some major career advancement or whatever, it was when I quit my job or when I changed to another company, right? And, and Sometimes I wish my 20-year-old self would have done some of that stuff sooner. <laughs> awesome. Excellent advice. I think that's a perfect way to end today's uh, episode. So, Mark, I just want to thank you again for just jumping on and uh, 
sharing what you've been working on and how you're trying to impact the healthcare industry and um, how you're going about doing that. And uh, I've really learned a lot from you today. So I just want to say thank you for jumping on. Thanks, Rodney. Pleasure to be here and great speaking with you. No problem. And uh, before we go, where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah. Um, www.feverguard.com is the best way to see the product, what we're doing. Um, that can also point you to the Solos website if you're interested in more um, about us and our, our big mission. But the product we care about this year is FeverGuard. So www.feverguard.com. Awesome. Well, that concludes today's episode. Catch you guys on the next one.